0: Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. This is the People in Places Extra Podcast. I'm Ken Watlington. Thank you for joining me today. It has been 20 years since the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. And on today's episode, we're taking a look back through the eyes of an Eastern North Carolina native who lived and worked in New York City back in 2001. Today, Inez Ribostello owns three businesses in Edgecombe County and Nash County, including On the Square, Tarboro Brewing Company, and TBC West in Rocky Mountains. But back in 1998... She got her dream job in New York City at Windows on the World at the top of One World Trade Center. At just 25 years old, Inez worked as the beverage director for the highest grossing restaurant in all of North America, where she managed a wine cellar over over 100,000 bottles and an all-male team of five people. It was her dream job growing up here in eastern North Carolina to live in New York City, calling that place the greatest love of her life. She never had plans to leave New York Of course, until the unthinkable happened on September 11th. After the events of 9-11, Inez started to journal and eventually blog about what she felt and how she dealt with losing so many co-workers on the days of 9-11. And eventually that led to her writing a book, which is out now. It's called Life After Windows. And I had a chance to speak with Inez via Zoom about the book, why she wanted to write it, and what's next in her life. How did the process get started? From when you decided to write this book to where we are today.
1: Yeah. So I have been journaling my entire life, and um, after September 11th, I um, kept little journals with me that I that I took on the subway, that I um, I took to France when Stephen and I worked the harvest, and just um, would write in them. Uh, constantly and, and continuously, um, you know, one of my biggest fears 20 years later, 30 years later, 50 years later, is that I won't remember things that were such a big part of my life um, when I worked at Windows, and I, maybe it was 14 years ago, I started a blog, and I wrote pretty regularly on the blog, and, um, you know, it was, uh, it was very therapeutic for me, but also it seemed like a lot of people um, who knew me or who had relationships with Windows, um, they became engaged and they were, you know, um, reaching out to me on these stories. And it seemed like it was uh, as meaningful to them as to me. And, um, you know, on the bucket list, I had said I, I wanted to to write this book about what the experience of, you know, losing my work family um, and then coming home and creating, you know, this new, this very new life. Um, And I've honestly, I've been writing it for 20 years, um, but have been very afraid of putting it out there. Um, There's a lot, there's a lot in it. (laughs) And um, even now I've been waking up thinking, oh my God, (laughs) You know, this is, it's, it's, it's a lot and it's, it's going to be, um, it is very vulnerable. Um, and I'm hoping that the people who really love me are going to still keep loving me after they read it. Um, but I've had a few friends out there. One of them in particular, um, is a a writer in California. And I was with her on a wine retreat a couple years ago. And she said, you know, I know it's just do it." was like the 20 year anniversary is coming up. I go ahead and get it done. And um, last September 11th, I put it out into the world. I put it on my social media page. I put a few um, pages and said, this is what I'm writing. And I'm, and I am, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there into the world for the 20th anniversary. That's a really long story. Sorry. No, it's,
0: <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, I read an excerpt and you know, personally, I don't know any of the folks you're talking about, but but I feel it. I feel how I felt that day. And I can kind of get a glimpse of how you felt that day. And you mentioned it's therapeutic. You know, when you started writing, you know, 20, 15 years ago, some of this stuff, I'm guessing you never imagined it would get to where it's going to be in a book as it is today.
1: Never imagined that. Yeah.
0: 100%. So let, let's take you back before. How does someone from Edgecombe County, North Carolina, work in New York City? I mean, I know for me, in just when I visit New York, it's like, oh my gosh, what an amazing place. You lived your life there. So so what was that experience like pre-9-11 to to be in, you know, one of the most magnificent cities in the world coming from small town North Carolina?
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, you know, I moved up uh, into the city in July of 98. And at the time, my, the apartment where I was going to live, I was going to have four other roommates, but they were not going to get there until after Labor Day. And so I was in this apartment by myself for a full month and a half. And, um, you, you know, one may have thought, I think my parents had bets that I just was not going to last. Um, But I fell head over heels in love with New York. I mean, all of it. The subway is one of my favorite modes of transportation to this day. Um, Even even in the summertime when it's so hot, (laughs) I I get um, great joy from being on a subway. I loved the walking. I walked so much all over Um, and just decided right then that this was the place for me. Uh, Everything about it, you know, just the people um, being able to truly make friends with people from every background there is and you know windows um when i when i got that job which was you know my dream job um it sealed the deal on um that i was going to stay there forever um you know it was a a very exciting time you know 2000 was super fun (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I was young, very young, um, you know, didn't have very many obligations besides work and rent and, um, yeah, just really found my niche. I don't think, uh, people were, um, I don't think my family in particular, uh, thought that this would happen to me. You know, I think they thought I was coming right back to Eastern North Carolina, maybe after six months, but, um, yeah, no, I was I was smitten with the city, and uh, still love it. Uh, a different city, but
0: how often do you get back?
1: Not enough, you know. I, my daughter and I went back the weekend before shutdown um, in March, early March um, of 2020, and that was the last time I've been on a plane. <laughs> that was the last time I've really um, left the Carolinas.
0: And now that you're back in North Carolina, you mentioned, you know, the the unfortunate events of 9-11 led you back home and and you've got this great life, great family, incredible businesses. Um, Do you think maybe that would have happened without such an unspeakable tragedy happening?
1: No, you know, um, I definitely would not have. Um, There was no plan uh, for me to leave. And I, I think about that often, you know, I would not have what I have today, which I consider, you know, the greatest gifts, um, my husband and my two children. So, um, I'm fairly confident that that would not have been the trajectory for me. One thing that is interesting to note, I believe is that, you know, my, my job has, has switched over from wine to beer and, um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm hoping people will be as um, excited about the beers that they drink as they are about the wines that they consume as well. So um, just a shameless plug for Tarboro Brewing Company and TBC West.
0: <laughs> well, you, you guys make good beers and, and, and they have a a tie to Tarboro and to your family sometimes. And and I think people gravitate towards that because it, it, it feels familiar. It feels like home.
1: Yeah. very proud of those.
0: So back on that Tuesday in 2001. You were here in North Carolina.
1: I was. My sister uh, was married on September 8th, and I had come home to be the maid of honor in her wedding and stayed over a couple extra days uh, to go with my other sister and my mom to the mountains. So I was to fly back early September 12th, the um, Wednesday morning.
0: I'm guessing it, it crosses your mind a lot had it been a different week, a different Tuesday, that maybe you would have been there.
1: Yeah, my husband says it crosses his mind. It never crosses my mind. I just don't, um, I don't think about that.
0: You mentioned losing people you love and and lifelong friends. How often do you think about them?
1: They, I think about every day. especially around this time, you know, there's a, there's a lot of um, emotion leading up. Uh, you, you wouldn't, you know, the anniversary never comes and goes without a lot of, um, for me, great feelings. Um, and I will say the beauty of social media is seeing the, the survivors, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and being able to communicate with them. And, you know, they, they truly are the only ones who know how you're feeling. Um, And um, you know, it is hard to believe that it has been 20 years since this happened. I mean, a lot has happened in our world in the past 20 years. And sometimes it feels like it was, you know, just yesterday. And sometimes it feels like it's just many, many moons ago.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I can distinctly remember where I was standing uh, what I was doing, wh- how, what the temperature felt like outside. But then again, it mm. does feel like 20 years ago, too. So it's, it's weird how both those feelings kind of come together. Um, yeah,
1: I'm sure you growing up, you know, around the same time I did, you know, we always heard where people were when when President Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. That was the thing. And, and, you know, now, for for us, and, and for many, it's where were you on 9-11? And,
0: I was, yeah. uh, like I am at most times uh, in the last 20 years, I was at a TV station. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd just gotten to work you know, at nine o'clock and everyone was huddled around the TV after the, the first plane hit, not really knowing what was going on, thinking it was just a, an accident or, you know, and then the second one happened, and all of us just collectively like, this is going to change our lives. Like you just, yeah. just had that feeling. Um, yeah. For people here in Eastern North Carolina who don't know exactly what Windows was, Kind of take us through the place because it was one of the most magnificent restaurants in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. um, It was an amazing, a huge restaurant on the top of One World Trade Center on the 107th floor. And Windows on the World um, was open seven nights a week, 365 days a year. Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day, um, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Fabulous dining room that had views of all three bridges. Um, and then there was also a much more casual bar located um, uh, when you walked into the right of it called Greatest Bar on Earth, where people could also go who didn't want to, you know, spend a money spend money on, a, on a, an extravagant dinner um, with excellent views. And then there was a very small restaurant at the time of, of 9-11 called Wild Blue that was a... Um, um, more um, intimate steakhouse with views of the Statue of Liberty. And that is in the space where Cellar in the Sky used to be. Um, But the restaurant opened in 1976 and it actually survived the first bombing in 1993 um, and reopened, I believe in 95 and had um, been going strong, very strong. We had the best numbers we had um, in 2001, Uh, you know, just people were um, coming in at at amazing volumes to all the spaces, and it was really special, you know, I, I write about this in the book, but you were not allowed up there if you had on jeans or sneakers even if you were going to the bars so (laughs) you could literally travel all the way down to the southern part of Manhattan and they would not let you on that elevator (laughs) um But yeah, you know, and, and the people employed, we had um, close to 500 people who worked there and there's also banquet spaces. And I, my office was on the 106th floor, which was where um, most of the accounting and, and the corporate offices were. So we actually had two floors, um, but 107th is where the um, most of the general public came for, for dining and, and drinking.
0: You said earlier, it was your dream job and you had it at a young age. What was a typical day like for you? up there.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, my position um, as beverage director, I ordered all wine, beer, spirits um, for all of the outlets and maintained um, inventory pars. And um, part of that was, you know, because we had this prestige of, of having one of the largest wine lists on the eastern seaboard, was um, meeting with winemakers um, constantly. <laughs> you know, a, a day a day did not go by where someone from, you know, the Piedmont in Italy or Australia or um, California uh, was coming in to see if they could get the wine their wines on our list. Um, obviously, the the best place you could be was by the glass because of the unbelievable volumes of. of Of the glass wine we did. I I actually think about this all the time, you know, what it must have been like for for the trash to get taken down every night. You know, (laughs) there's just no telling how much. uh, I was unaware of that at 24 and 25, but (laughs) I'm very aware of that now. Um, Yeah, so just meeting with these winemakers and um, being able to make sure that our wine list was relevant and exciting. but also playing the politics of well, <laughs> this winemaker has been around for a very long time and we need to make sure that their wine stays on the list. So it was a lot of meeting and um, coordinating and, and updating constantly.
0: As this book is released, you mentioned feeling vulnerable sometimes, sharing uh, your thoughts with the world is it also sort of a relief to be able to, to, to get it out there and just to, to give people a different perspective of a day that all of us felt some type of emotion about?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very excited to get this out. Um, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that has transpired over the, over the course of 20 years. And, you know, um, I found myself many times wishing I could, you know, tell people things that I just wasn't able to get out. And I I feel like I've been able to do that in this book. Um, And, you know, my only fear uh, is that, um, you know, I I didn't do it honorably enough to um, make sure that I I, I truly honored the people, not just um, the survivors, but also the victims.
0: So what's next for you? You've got these incredible businesses here in Eastern North Carolina. You're now an author. Well, you know, what's that next challenge that you're looking forward to? I
1: don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe keeping my house clean. I don't know. That's like something <laughs> that I That's a big
0: challenge for all of us sometimes.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. You know, um, actually I, I do know I have, um, I've spent the past two years in particular, um, really working on my activism and that's a a big piece of me It's, it's a big piece of the book um and uh you know continue to advocate for people who are marginalized and um who aren't given the same opportunities and um that comes uh definitely for all people but in particular our children um and so I'm a big Rai, Rai public school proponent, and I I, cont- I will continue to um, to work in that area to make sure that our children in Eastern North Carolina, in particular Edgecombe County, where resources are very, very low, um, are gonna get the, the opportunities and the resources that they deserve.
0: That's what I was gonna say. Sometimes, you know, rural parts of our state aren't necessarily left behind, but maybe they aren't the first thought of either. And that's, you know, you want to advocate for these folks that sometimes are are maybe not thought of first.
1: Yeah. Yes. I, um, you know, I'm I'm aware of what is out there and our children should have it. It it should have those things just as much as any other child. There is enough. There is enough. We just got to remember that.
0: (laughs) And my thanks to Inez Ribastello for chatting with me about her book and what's coming up next in her life and all the things she's done since moving back to eastern North Carolina following the tragedy of 9-11. To watch my video feature on Inez and her book, Life After Windows, go to wnct.com, click the On Your Side tab. There you'll find the People in Places page where you can watch this story and all of the previous People in Places features. That's it for this episode of the People in Places Extra podcast. I'm Ken Watlington. I hope you'll join me next time.